Here comes Schofield. Oh! Oh! Nastiness. Wait a second. Driving left, dunking right over Love. All right. Who can do it? Well, I, I do like length. That's what she said. He's got everything going early on. Again. Schofield the theft. And look at the Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Trying really hard to get the podcast intro right for this podcast time. Sky falling, James Bond style for Tennessee basketball time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker Grant Ramey coming to you from not Fort Rucker Studio per se, Fort Rucker uh, Sunroom. Outhouse. Slash kitchen, I guess we'll call it. Overcast room, remember? We talked about this last week. Yeah, it's overcast. The overcast For the sunroom, the sun would have to shine. Yeah. Which is probably never going to happen again. (laughs) For those who missed last week's uh, podcast, we are, for a few weeks or so, we're not going to be in the studio here uh, at Fort Rucker. We're going to be uh, at various locations because we are going through a lot of... I would say construction, renovation, repair on like two-thirds or three-quarters of this house right now. So we are sitting in the sunroom, and so that means that you're going to hear a few things. You're going to hear uh, Crime Dog barking. You're going to hear uh, Maximus the cat doing whatever sound it is cats make. You're going to hear whatever houses or noises come in this house. Uh, but you will not hear the construction noises today because we sent those guys away for a little bit so we could get this podcast done to you because that's how much we care about you you the Govals 24 7 podcast listener you specifically you specifically you know who you are Govals 24 7 podcast listener and this this podcast is a direct shout out to you grant since last we spoke things have not uh, gone what i would say brilliantly for the uh tennessee basketball program i, I think we need to look at a couple things here. Uh, there's there's one way to look at it is this. Tennessee basketball is 24 and 2 overall. It is 11 and 1. 12 and 1. Uh, 12 and 1 in the Southeastern Conference and it is in control of its own destiny to win the Southeastern Conference Championship sitting alone in first place atop the standings. That's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is Tennessee has played um, maybe I think uh, I think you could probably say, without question, it's worst back-to-back games of the season. For sure. And, and we knew that this was possible at some point because teams just don't go 18-0 and in this league. Uh, that's just not how it goes. You don't usually go undefeated in any uh, major conference season. It's just not the way things go. We knew it could happen at some point, but here it is. Uh, Tennessee, the offense has struggled two games in a row. Uh, the defense – uh, struggled mightily at times against Kentucky. So here are the Vols right now, uh, now no longer number one uh, nationally, now number five, uh, facing a trip to face LSU, which should be an angry LSU basketball team, on Saturday in Baton Rouge. That's becoming a theme. Yeah, it is. Past two weeks, isn't it? Where, Grant, where is the concern level right now? Because I think we're only the most naive people say there's no concern right now. There obviously has to be some. 
but where is that level of concern? It's it's pretty low. Uh, a two-game sample size in February uh, is not a very – I don't think that tells the story of your season. This team has been a really good basketball team far more than it's been an average basketball team. Kentucky was just a bad – that was just a bad night at the office. They At I a think bad if, time. I think if you played that game ten times, that would happen one time, and nine other times it would be a pretty good game. And even if you kind of go back and replay it, if you take away that 14-0 run to start the second half, they played like garbage. And There's Crime Dog making his first appearance welcome in the podcast. Crime Dog. He's mad about the Kentucky game too. If you take that run away, they – I mean, in the first half it felt like they're playing crappy basketball, but they're only down six points, which felt like a miracle. Yeah. Given uh, what Rupp Arena was Saturday night, it was crazy. It was raucous. It was jam-packed. Uh, and credit Tennessee fans, the Kentucky Riders are saying they've never seen that much of a opposing team's fan base actually infiltrate Rupp Arena. Especially, and, yet, and yet it might have been as loud as Rupp's been in years, right, according to some people. Especially for that game uh, of that magnitude, number five versus number one. But still, I think the concern level is low. If this happens for two weeks, three weeks, if they close the regular season playing this style, this – kind of uninspired almost looking basketball, so be it. Then there's time to legit be concerned. But this team's 24-2, and 12-1 and in the SEC, like you said, control their destiny. I mean, they, they're they fine. There's, you know, they, they haven't been bitten by injury bugs seriously yet really this season. Uh, they've shot it over 50%. They haven't been a good defense all year. That is what it is at this point. But they've been an elite offense, isn't it? If their if their offense doesn't recover, sure, be concerned. Um, but I think right now the sky's falling is 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 a pretty I don't know what a, a bridge too far. I mean, there's some concern, sure, but it's February. You've been playing for four months, three months since early November. You've got another three weeks until Selection Sunday. Four weeks until Selection Sunday, I guess. Uh, this is kind of the grinding time of year. I mean, Patrick pointed out yesterday Villanova lost three games last February. Uh, and then they rolled to a national championship, winning by 17 points a game in the tournament. So you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, I think that that you need to you need to look at, the, at it like this. Uh, every time things look like they're going poorly for Tennessee uh, in any sport, uh, because of the way things have gone in the past, you're going to see a fan base that begins melting down pretty quickly because uh, a lot of their good vibes a lot of their confidence has been sapped and what you see a lot of their confidence or their hubris is uh exposed a little bit when things go this way and i think that's probably a vocal minority but it's a it's not like just a couple of people i mean it's a good number of people who are just royally concerned right now and hey that's the way fandom goes that's the way things go but i i think and i've said this before this is what happens when you see and i think tennessee basketball has an unbelievable fan base i've said this for years i think it's so drastically underrated but i I will say that there is a segment of it that is a football first fan base and when you get that you know losses in basketball tend to be magnified by those people and and, you know you, you you start to panic when really you shouldn't uh, this is 40 games in a season, roughly. If you have a couple of them that are bad, you know, even if you have three or four of them that are not good, that is how things go during a season. Uh, but I, I, I think that there's also room for some people who have said, you know what, this team did not play a tough schedule during that time, really. Uh, you can only no, p- you can didn't. only play the people in front of you. 
but they they did that and they, they some of those games they just they they didn't play great but they won um and i think when they started playing when they played a really good team again a team of their caliber uh, they they were not ready for that. They had and, and maybe they get humbled by this, and, and that is what it is. I and mean, it just proves to be one bad day. We can all agree that's a possibility. But I, I think that we also have to acknowledge the concern some people have that hey, uh, you know, th- this team might not be what it what people thought it was. I don't believe that, uh, but I think there are some people out there who have legitimate cause to say that. I, I don't. I don't agree with them, but I think they have a point worth listening to. And that's where things get interesting because this team, I still think there's part of you that, and I think this is what's interesting, is that Barnes, you know, after the Vandy game, did any of us expect Rick Barnes to go out there and be as somewhat pleasantly surprised as he was or pleasantly pleased? A beat. You know, pleasantly pleased is not a phrase, but you know he he seems it, it is now. I just made it one, but he, you know, we've seen this year even times where they've won games by ten, twenty, thirty points that he's come out and not been happy in the post game, and then he goes out there after a game like that against Vanderbilt, fifty eight to forty six, the lowest point production and a win in the Barnes era at Tennessee, and we're expecting him to go out there and be a little bit still disappointed in saying what this team's not doing. But he came out and was pleased with the defense. And, and, you know, I think if you look at Vanderbilt's record, that is what it is. But I think if you look at the scores, you see that Vanderbilt played a very similar, very similar game at Rupp Arena against Kentucky. Vanderbilt has done what it's had to do without Garland out there. It has slowed the tempo down. It has tried to, to be a physical team. It has tried to kind of wear you down a little bit. Um, and they, they have to do what they have to do because of their bench. They have to play a slow kind of grind it out kind of style. And that game, Barnes almost seemed like he was okay with that uh, because if nothing else, they won a game purely on their defense, and that's something right. that they hadn't done in a while. So that part of it I think you know, he was he was okay with. But it's weird because we were talking about some of the other games this season where their offense hasn't been very good. They've still put up 60s, 70s in those games. Uh, that, that was interesting. Because Barnes, Rick Barnes came out there and said that Tennessee against Kentucky was the most selfish he'd seen this team play all season. The guys, you know, Lamonte Turner put his hand in the air and pointed himself and said, I did it. Uh, a lot of other guys did it too. We tried to win the game by ourselves, and uh, it didn't work. And they tried to play a little hero ball, and that's not who they are. So then they go out there against Vanderbilt, and they're passing up good shots left and right. And, you know, they're, the most obvious was the time when Fulkerson, Fulkerson had a dunk. If Fulkerson's he turns passing around, up an open dunk to kick out to kick out to a three, and it's like, wait, huh? I mean, even Lamonte Turner, who shot the three on that possession, got he loves to shoot the three, got right in Fulkerson's face and was like, "What are you doing?" Uh, guys played a little bit too unselfish. Now, of course, that's, that happens. If your coach tells you you're selfish, you go out there the next game, you're probably going to go do everything you can do in your power to not be selfish. So I, I do understand that, but it is certainly. Um, it's a concern, I think, at least in the in the short term. I, I don't know in the long term. I don't see – I mean, I, there's guys have some bumps and bruises here and there. I don't think any health's a major concern. Uh, I do think the way Grant's had a little bit less explosion the past couple games has been a little bit eye-opening because he, you know, he's taken a lot of hard falls this year, and you, you hope that he's not worn down like he was this time last year. But this is one of those times in a season where you kind of gut check and say, who are we? And 
things looked easy there for a couple of weeks. They were able to 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 disguise a lot of things they weren't doing well because that offense was so good. And now you get to this time of the season, you get more grinded out games. You get more teams where everybody knows everybody, and so they're going to be able to to stop what you do offensively. So you have to you have to find different ways to score. You have to be mentally tough. You have to be physically tough. And things had been too easy for that team for a while. And I'm interested now to see how they respond when things do get a little bit tougher. And it's it's for everybody. It's not this isn't unique to Tennessee, uh, Kentucky. As much as everybody wanted to kind of crown them after what they did Saturday night, I mean they lost earlier in the week at home to LSU and then struggled at Missouri. Right, and LSU is a good basketball team, and they they've had they've surprised a lot of people. They've done a lot of good things. They lost last night in overtime against Florida at home. Uh, after having to survive at Georgia on Saturday. And that game wouldn't have even gone to overtime if Florida had made some shots. Right. And, uh, I mean, you go back, they lost Arkansas at home. I mean, this is this is basketball. That's that's just the, the nature of the sport is ups and downs. Uh, and Tennessee's been up for a while. And, I mean, how many times have we talked about on this podcast just waiting for the bad night at the office and to kind of judge the team based on that? Well, yeah, Vanderbilt didn't look very pretty, but you found a way to win a basketball game in February. And uh, never really looked all that threatened. I mean, no. look, looked like they had the antenna up for a while, but it never felt like Vanderbilt was taking control of that when, thing. When Saban Lee drove on that fast break and kind of uh, he didn't really juke, he acted like he's going to kick out and Jordan Bowden went running out and Saban Lee had an open dunk, uh, open run to the rim. I think that cut it to four points, and that was kind of a nervous moment. But still, based on that Vanderbilt offense, the team Vanderbilt is, you never really thought it was going to take something Tennessee special just for had it to, to happen. Tennessee just had to make a couple shots. Right, and they did that. And even, I mean, if they could go they could go to LSU Saturday and lose a competitive game, still wouldn't be worried. And maybe I'm not the right person to ask because I'm not, I'm not going to be the too high or too low person uh, when I'm trying to judge a basketball team, especially – uh, on such a small sample, uh, if they go to the LSU and get rolled out of the building, yeah, that's concerning. If they go to Ole Miss Wednesday and get rolled out of the building, yeah, it's probably time to be concerned. But until then, uh, I would be surprised if they don't kind of play themselves out of whatever's going on right now. Yeah, and and I think when you look at that that game, that LSU game, which we'll spend more of our time, I think, discussing that because that's the more interesting thing right now, it, it is LSU – is a very talented team. It's also a young team. And when you go back and think about it, LSU goes to Rupp one week. It hosts Tennessee the next week. It's competing for a championship. Those games in between are just as dangerous for a team like LSU because they don't necessarily have, no matter what your coach says, it, it's hard sometimes when you got a bunch of young players to understand that you can't just focus on those two games because a team like Florida, which has been competitive all season long, uh, has been a couple missed shots away from winning several games, including a chance to beat Tennessee uh, if it had just made a couple shots. And those shots go in, and all of a sudden LSU's in a battle that they weren't expecting. And that is the classic hallmark of a young team. Now that team's going to be angry. It's going to be hosting Tennessee on its home floor. And I'll tell you what, to me, stands out like not just a sore thumb, it's like a sore head sticking out for for this game is I don't know. I have to go back to a couple of those Calipari teams and a couple of those Roy Williams UNC teams to see a team that is this aggressive and this good on the offensive glass. It's almost like 
a missed shot can be their best offense because those, I mean, Bigby Williams, Naz Reed, you know, Emmett Williams off the bench, those guys, they're big, they're strong, they're athletic, and they are going for the glass like their life depends on it. And you are going to have to seal them off. You're going to have to get a body on them, or they are going to score 80 plus points in this game just off of, you know, based on some offensive putbacks. Because Tennessee, that's been a huge bugaboo at times this season. Not just the defense, but giving up offensive rebounds and second chance points. And LSU lives off that. I mean, if Trayvon, you know, Waters is going to go out there and he's going to take some shots. He might make a bunch. He might miss a bunch, but he's going to take his. He's an exciting player. He's going to get guys some shots. They're going to make some buckets. But if you're Tennessee, I don't think LSU's first score offense really scares you. I think it it gets your attention. But what has to just terrify Tennessee is, especially if Kyle Alexander gets in foul trouble again, is can those guys? Because you're going to have to have Admiral Williams, I mean Admiral Schofield, step up and play aggressively. He's going to have to play physically on defense. He's going to have to play physically on the glass, and he's not been doing that as much recently. Grant Williams is going to have to become a rebounder. He's going to have to go be a garbage man because if they don't go do that stuff. LSU will murder them on the glass. That's how good LSU is the best rebounding team in this conference by a mile. It is that good on the offensive glass. They're also not a good defensive team. I mean, they're 75th, I think, in Ken Palm's uh, adjusted defensive efficiency. Uh, And Tennessee, everybody likes to talk about how bad Tennessee is defensively. They're 40th after the Vanderbilt game. They went up, I think, 12 spots just based on that game alone. But still, I'm eager to see how they start that game just based on how poorly they played at Kentucky and how they weren't really themselves. Uh, I don't I don't know if it'll be an overcorrection, overreaction, kind of like Rick was talking about after the Vanderbilt game in terms of sharing the basketball too much. But they need to be, obviously, much more like that team uh, that went to Texas A&M and started 12 of 14, something stupid from the field. LSU is a good come-from-behind team, but still. Right, and you give up you give up the points you give up, uh, and you're just going to rely on outscoring them. That's basically the team Tennessee is going to have to get back to being because I don't think you can rely on them consistently in defense and in, in rebounding like you're talking about. Oh, I think you're right. So you better you better limit Waters and you better limit Nasreed as much as you can. Uh, or if you let those two guys beat you, you better shut down everybody else and make those guys turn it into a two-man game uh, and see what happens. But you better make shots early, uh, and you better kind of settle in and kind of get back to being who you were because the longer this goes on, obviously, like we talked about, the more worrisome it becomes. Yeah, I think that the the thing that concerned me for Tennessee in the Kentucky game, it it wasn't the early missed shots because we've seen games where Tennessee has made a bunch of early – big shots, you know, a bunch of threes early, done some of those things. And we've seen some games where Tennessee has struggled out of the gates a little bit. But what Tennessee almost always had done in those games where it didn't shoot well, because there were a lot of times where Tennessee scored 90 and it only had five or six points at the, you know, at the first or even second media timeout because it comes in, in waves. And we had seen Tennessee adjust in those situations and get the ball on the floor to the rim, get the good ball movement, turn down good shots, get great shots. We'd seen Tennessee build its way into good offensive performances. Against Kentucky, on the other hand, Tennessee kind of just kept shooting jump shots. And that was unusual. And that had to be the thing that concerned Rick Barnes is that a team that normally is leads the country in assists had such a low assist total 
not just because shots weren't going in, but because they were they were playing more ISO ball. They were playing more one on one, milk the clock, you know, maybe kick out for a shot basketball. They weren't doing what they do, and that was really unusual. So if they don't make shots at early at LSU, I don't think it's the end of the world. But they have to understand that they need to get the ball to the rim. You cannot go when you're struggling and Grant Williams hardly touches the ball for three or four consecutive possessions, that's a crime. That You should go to basketball prison for that. You can't do that. You've got to get the ball to the bucket maker when situations get like that. Or if you're going to get the ball to Schofield, he's got to put the ball on the deck and go to the rim because when he wants to do that, he still scores almost every time that he wants to put the ball on the floor and drive past people because he can do that. He can muscle people out of the way. And they're going to have to do things like that if they don't make shots at LSU because they don't want to look up all of a sudden and they're down 10 early again because there's going to be a ton of buzz in that building. Even though it's going to be an 11 a.m. local tip-off, I get that, and at Cajuns before noon on week weekends, it's rough. There's a reason why they they almost insist on playing all their home games at night if possible in football because that, right. that fan base gets revved up during the day. That's what they do. And 11 a.m., that's going to be a little bit different for them. But – with so much on the line, with the you know, because this game, it it doesn't winning it doesn't guarantee LSU a championship, but losing it almost certainly knocks LSU out of the championship mix a little bit, because at that point you'd be three games behind Tennessee with like four games to go. That's that you know you're out of it at that point. You're it's you're eliminated basically, and then it comes down to Tennessee hosting Kentucky, and that that's it. So there's you're gonna get a really unless those guys come out tight. LSU is going to give you a big shot early. I think if you're Tennessee, you got to go in there with confidence. You got to go in there with swagger. You've got to play your game. And if you do that, I think on a neutral floor, you would be the better basketball team than LSU. But you're going to have to go in there tough and you're going to have to keep them off the glass because I'm telling you, if you don't believe me, guys, go back and on the ESPN app, go watch some of those LSU games. LSU goes after the ball off the rim offensively like rabid dogs. Like they've been given like 37 million gallons of Red Bull. That's how hard they go after the ball on the offensive glass. They're going to get some over-the-back calls, and they don't care. They're coming to get the ball, and they're going to try to dunk it back on you. And and that's something that if you're Tennessee, even Lamonte Turner said after the game, he said team rebounding, team rebounding. They're going to have to do it. And that's before they even watch tape on LSU. That's just them watching SEC basketball throughout the season and knowing that's been their problem at times is allowing second-chance points and allowing – I mean, even at Kentucky, as badly as that was going, Tennessee started to make that a little bit interesting in the second half. Schofield made some threes. Bones started getting his head up and playing fast. And all of a sudden, they're, they're about to knock that thing down to single digits. And then at that point, you never know. Maybe maybe Kentucky gets tight. But what do they do? They allow Tyler Hero to get three offensive rebounds on one possession, and he puts the final one in for an and one, and that's it. That's the game. And one of Tennessee's players fouled out there. It was either Williams – I mean, it was either Schofield or Alexander fouled out on that play. Kyle. So at that point, you're going from maybe making it a single-digit game with 10 minutes left to, okay, now it's back to like almost 15, and that's it. And that – if they do that stuff at LSU, they're going to lose again. That that's it. Like it doesn't matter how well they defend, doesn't matter how well they shoot, if they do not rebound defensively, they will not win that game. 
and they have to they just have to do it. And it's it's less about win or lose Saturday, and it's more about you just have to be a better rebounding team in general uh, moving forward. If you're gonna if you're gonna be a team that that survives in March for as long as you want to survive, uh, you have to be better defensively, and you have to be better rebounders, even if you are an elite offensive team. And the problem on offense is it's just like so many pieces are slumping together. Admiral hasn't been the same guy for a while now, probably three or four weeks. You can't score 16 points and need 17 shots to get there. And then Bowden stopped carrying him. That's not, yeah. And and, and you can't have Bowden and Turner going 0 for 11 from the three-point line. You can't do that. Uh, you just kind of got to f- kind of fix these things as quickly as you can because March is coming. I mean, we're, we're sitting here with, what, five, six games left in the regular season. Yep. Uh, a lot of tough tests left. Uh, LSU, Ole Miss, Auburn all on the road, and Kentucky and Mississippi State at home. Uh, there's a lot of basketball to be played, and they got a lot of time between now and, and a lot of stuff to a lot of stuff to solve, and time to do it between now and Selection Sunday. I mean, you have the the six regular season games, and then you have the SEC tournament, so they can still play themselves out of it. But they got to get Admiral being back to the guy uh, he was a month ago, where he could put up 20 on 10 shots. Uh, you have to get Grant Williams the touches he needs. I think he'll be fine if he just gets the touches he needs and they go through him the way they should. And, and Lamonte has to be himself like he looked in the first half against Vanderbilt. Uh, and Bowden has to be himself that he, he's shown he can be. It's been a while since – or it's been a couple weeks, I guess, since he's really uh, went off. But if you can fix those things, that's great. you still got to fix rebounding, and that's going to be an issue at LSU. Uh, it's going to be an issue until you get it fixed because that's what you got to do this time of year. Yeah, and, and I, I did hear somebody not in the program, but somebody sort of around the program – after the most after that Vanderbilt game, kind of looked at me and said, "I'm almost kind of worried about Admiral's attitude right now," and I don't think that's anything like a huge concern. But we know we know that Admiral Schofield gets in his feels. We know that we know that he's an emotional player. He always has been. That fuels him when he's playing well. That hinders him when he's playing poorly. And I think this was the time last year that Schofield started carrying this basketball team. Mm-hmm. And I think Schofield knows that. And I think he's pressing because I think he wa- and I think it's I think it's coming from the right place. I think he wants to win. He wants to to take this team and go win a championship. But by doing that, I think he's gotten a little bit out of what he of who he is. And I think he's kind of hurting the team, not trying to, but I think he's doing that a little bit. And he's gonna have to not do that because he said all year long that. You know, I just want to be Rick Barnes' favorite player. I just want to – I know Grant's a star here. I know I'm just the co-star. That's fine. I just want to win. I don't care. He's got to get back to that because as long as this offense is struggling, Admiral Schofield is going to try to take the thing and win it himself because that's what his instinct is. That's – you know, he – he if they're making shots, he'll calm down as a team. It, I don't think he's going to be the one to necessarily get them going because I think if they're missing shots – I think he is a guy who will keep keep pressing, and, and that's not necessarily a great thing for him. So I, no. I, I think he, he's he's got to calm down. And what this team – I think what would help a lot of things, you look at the past two games and the offensive struggles, go look at Jordan Bowden's numbers. He is a guy who if he would start hitting his shots again – because teams can't give him extra attention – because you've got Williams, you've got Schofield, you've got Bone, you you cannot you've got Turner when he's out there. You cannot pay extra attention to Jordan Bowden. 
He is an X factor because he is going to get his shots. Right. They're there. He's going to get them. And he's good enough to create his own too now. But when he makes them and teams have to start respecting that, that opens up the entire floor. He's got to get back to playing well. I don't know if it's putting it on the deck and scoring, using his athleticism, or if it's just hitting those open threes. But he keeps getting good looks. The past couple games, he's been a guy who maybe he forced a couple, but a lot of those were good looks and he just didn't make them. And those got to start going down because they need him to score. I think they need two things badly right now. One, they need Bowden to start scoring again. And the second thing is they need Kyle Alexander mm-hmm. to figure out whatever the hell it is that's wrong with him and get it fixed. Because in this game especially and in other games down the stretch, they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle if they don't have Kyle doing the things he does inside because they need that stuff from him. They need him to be that guy. And if he's on the bench, he can't do that. Kyle looks like he has zero confidence right now. Yeah, he's uh, reverted. I think – I mean, even – and, and Barnes was happy with his demeanor or whatever during the Vanderbilt game, leading up to the Vanderbilt game. But even during that Vanderbilt game, it almost looks like Admiral Schofield, when he struggles, he struggles to even catch the ball. Yeah, I that, mean, he, that's how you can tell when Admiral's off his game because when he doesn't catch the ball and, clean. And, and Kyle was doing that same thing as Vanderbilt. I don't know if it was entry passes or, or rebounding opportunities or what, but it's like when he got his hands on the ball, it's almost like he was thinking so much that – uh, he would just fumble the ball away, and, and that's exactly what Admiral does when he's in his head. And Admiral, the thing about Admiral, when he started taking off this time last year, it was because Grant was hurting. Grant's lower back or whatever that problem was. Back hip. Yeah, he was pretty. He was he was slowed pretty drastically compared to what he can do. And that's when Admiral took off. Well, they don't need Admiral to take off right now. Mm-hmm. They need Admiral. He plays his best basketball when he wants to defend and rebound. And that goes back to his sophomore year. This is this is not something new. When he's hunting his shots, when he's ultra-aggressive on the offensive end, it leads to bad shots. It leads to missed shots. And he stays in his own head. And he's a emotional player. Uh, and when he's playing well, that emotion benefits him. And when he's playing poorly, it hurts him. Uh, so he's got to get his confidence back and go through it defense and rebound. I think Kyle Alexander is the same thing, defense and rebounding. And I think for Bowden, just hit a shot. And then go from there. That's that's what he needs. He needs to hit a shot because when he hits a shot in rhythm, he's a different player. And that that too goes back to multiple years ago uh, when he was a freshman sophomore. If if he missed a f- shot early, it affected him. He can't get back to that. Yeah, he's got to put the ball on the deck and go score or go get a steal. Find go, an easy bucket. Go do something just to get yourself going. Some confidence. But I think if you look at it in that Kentucky game, Bowden start. I mean, Bone started playing faster late in the game, and that that helped. But I think as much as anything. There was a time where where Grant Williams walks up to, to Barnes. I don't know if it's during a timeout or if it's just during a dead ball when he goes, Coach, just get me the ball. I will get guys open. And he did that. Look at a couple of those three-pointers they hit during that little br- brief patch of good play in the second half. A couple of those were Grant Williams' assists. He was the guy that when they're, when they're going back to doing what they do, which is get the ball to Grant Williams at the elbow, Grant Williams is either going to get a shot for himself Mm-hmm. or he is going to suck in two or three players and find the open man. But if he's catching the ball toward the corner, he's not helping. If he's catching the ball near the elbow, if he's getting to his space on the floor and getting the ball where he needs it, if he does that, then you put his spin move into play. Then you put his that face-up jumper that he's got, that high-arcing kind of – or high-release high, high, um, high release jumper that he's got. 
You, you put all that into play if he catches the ball where he needs to catch it. That's where when Rick Barnes talks about owning your spot on the floor, that's what he means. If, if Grant Williams can get the ball anywhere from that low block on the free throw line all the way out to kind of the elbow there, he's in good shape. If he has to catch the ball deeper than that, then he gets kind of trapped and it, it it's harder because the, the court shrinks. And it's those little things that maybe when you're playing teams for like a, a couple months straight that you know you should beat and you're beating them, you're not learning lessons of this is what you need to do to win at a high level. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's what it is. And, and I think you saw it clearly affected Tennessee because they went out there against Vanderbilt and they they had flashes of playing their game, but they really still didn't. And I I can't tell if it's a really good thing or a really bad thing that this team's now going down to a tough place to play and playing a really good team, a potential you know team that could get on a on a heater and go to the Final Four. I mean LSU at its best is a really good basketball team. So I I don't know if that's exactly what this team needs to snap itself back into play, or if it wouldn't be better to be playing like you know Ole Miss this weekend or something like that, kind of a decent team, but a team that can you can get your confidence back again. So I, I don't I, I don't know exactly how I feel about that, but I know that, that this is going to be a tough one. I think you need the test because, ready or not, I mean, the, the tests are coming. This is this is when you're getting down to postseason play and you when you need to be fine-tuning stuff. I mean, we've talked about the schedule for a while and how backloaded it was and how many tests there were going to be leading into the postseason and how that would prepare you for the postseason. I mean, it's a tournament sport. Whether Tennessee gets a number one seed – in the NCAA tournament, number two, number three, number four, whatever the seed is, however they play over the last three weeks, it doesn't matter if you put it together in March. Uh, it doesn't matter if you win the SEC tournament and then go get bounced in the first round of the NCAA tournament. It doesn't matter if you get bounced on Friday of the SEC tournament and then end up going to the Elite Eight. Uh, it's all about how you're playing at the right time. And right now is when they need to be figuring this stuff out. And if that, that means losing basketball games, that's what it is. As long as you're learning, that's something – that you can take and move forward with. I mean, if, if you're losing games, so be it. Uh, nobody really saw it coming if it happens, but everybody did see that this was a backloaded schedule and these tests were going to be here uh, and they got to figure it out quickly. I'll tell you one matchup I do kind of like in this game. Uh, you know, Traymond Waters is, is a high steel guy and he's a really disruptive player on defense. And I know that Bones had a few more turnovers than normal recently, but they've not normal, they've been on bad passes and things like that. Uh, Bone is about as tight with the ball as, as any point guard that you're going to see at the college level. I mean, that thing sticks to his hand. He's an unbelievable ball handler. He's quick. Uh, he doesn't usually, um, you know, kind of lose his head and get the ball taken away from him. And I think LSU a lot of times feasts on, you know, Waters just eating up the other point guard. And I don't know that Waters is going to be able to eat up Jordan Bone. I, I think that's going to be – something that's going to help Tennessee because Bone is physically bigger than than Waters, and, and I think he's a guy who – Waters is going to do what he does on offense. He's going to hit some shots. He's going to take some deep shots anyway. But I think Bone will be pretty good with the ball in this game, and I think that's going to take away one of LSU's big strengths because if you can keep Waters from eating up your point guard and you can keep LSU off the glass, you can beat LSU. They have some, you know, and, and Skylar Mays is a great player too. Skylar Mays could go out there and drop 25 points or something. I mean, they, they've they got some players that are going to give you some problems. Oh, yeah, it's a very beatable team. I mean, you can't go to Georgia and struggle and not be a beatable team. You can't lose to Florida at home, a team yes. that Tennessee handled pretty well at home uh, and handled good enough on the road uh, to win by 11. 
Uh, you can't lose to Arkansas at home, a team that Tennessee blew out pretty good a couple months ago or a month ago, whatever, however long ago it was, and not be a beatable team. As, as good of a story as they are. Uh, they are young and they are inexperienced. Yeah, and, and every team has its flaws. It's just about taking advantage of those flaws like some teams have. Now we'll add a train to the random background noises that we've had throughout this podcast. We can just tell people it's from a soundboard. We yeah. have a guy that's that's the wrap-up sound or something. Yeah, good luck out uh, of the train. The pain train's coming down to Baton Rouge Terry Tate on Saturday. Put cover sheet on those TPS reports, Gary. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, that there are matchups in this game that I actually really like for Tennessee, but the whole thing gets down to just two things. It really does. I'll say this one more time. This comes down to two things. Can you keep Waters from taking the ball from you and getting easy buckets? And can you keep them off the boards? Because if you can do that, I think that everything else will take care of itself for the most part, and I think Tennessee can go down there and win. And if Tennessee goes down there and wins, it sets up um, you know, a, a pretty good championship stretch for the next couple of weeks. And, hey, even if Tennessee loses this game, uh, it doesn't mean the Vols don't win the SEC title. I mean, they're, LSU just has to lose again, and Tennessee's got to beat Kentucky. I mean, so it's not – this is very much an interesting match because I think they got to still go – LSU still has to go to Bama if I'm not. I think they still got to go to Gainesville. Um, and if they got to go down to Bama, that te- that's going to be a team fighting for a bubble they do spot. They still have to go to Bama. Yeah, that, and that's going to be a, an athletic team really fighting like hell for an NCAA tournament bubble spot, and we know how those games often go when you're playing, just like Tennessee going down to Ole Miss. I mean, that's going to be that kind of a – you're going to get that and now, kind of an and now Kentucky doesn't have Reed Travis for the next seven to ten days. Sounds like they're not even really trying to rush him back for the regular season. Just no. trying to get him healthy for the postseason. Because Calipari gives zero f's about the SEC right, championship. Right. He doesn't care. Right, and that's another huge thing to watch. And that, that's a huge thing. I mean, as much attention was put on Zion Williamson uh, in the first thirty seconds of the Carolina game and everything that's happened since he got hurt. That's two number one seed possibilities: Duke and Kentucky, obviously, uh, that have lost two pretty big pieces obviously Zion's a huge piece yeah and Reed Travis is a pretty big piece too because he shut down Grant defensively or he didn't shut him down but he did a pretty good job uh limiting him uh in Lexington interested to see what happens with Duke in the polls after that because that's their second home loss this season that is a home loss by double digits for the uh, uh, that's 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 not good and uh, you can say what you will about Zion. Obviously, that's a big blow, but there are still two top five picks on that team right. two lottery that, picks. that are not him and still other really good basketball players. So should not be getting run out of your own building uh, in that kind of situation. So I'll be interested to see if they punish Duke as much as Tennessee was punished the week before. That that uh, I, I'm going to say my sources say no on that one. Here's my – I told you my I, – I texted, I texted you my conspiracy theory last night. Uh, you text me a lot of conspiracy theories. Yeah, but this you have one to be more specific. Okay, the one where UNC goes to Duke and wins, mm-hmm. then Tennessee beats LSU, then UNC jumps Tennessee in the polls. Duke stays ahead of Tennessee in the polls, and Knoxville burns to the ground and riots. Because you know why they care about the poll here more than they do at other places. I'll tell you exactly why. Because Tennessee is trying to build a brand. When you're Kentucky, Carolina, Kansas, Duke, you've got your brand. You don't care about your conference championship because the whole thing for you is getting to the Final Four and winning a national championship. If you are another program, if you're a Tennessee, if you're an LSU, if you're a a program that's historically good but not great, it means more to you to be ranked in the top two or three or to be the number one spot or to win your conference championship. 
you know, Tennessee being able to say back-to-back SEC champions would be huge because you, at that point, you are trying to build a brand. You are trying to get the attention of recruits. You are trying to get the attention uh, of people across the country. And that's why it means more to you. It just, you know, it, it does. And that's why, you know, people, and I've heard a lot of, you know, Kentucky fans be like, Tennessee's such a great team, has a chance to win a championship. Why are they worried about where they are in the polls and who wins the SEC? The only thing that matters is March. And I respond, to you, that's the only thing that matters. If you're Tennessee and you're trying to build a brand, the whole thing matters to you. So that's why people care so much about the polls here because it helps establish a brand. And, and that's why I think that's a really short answer to that. And if you step, uh, take a step back and just look at the situation, the fact that it's a slap in the face that Tennessee dropped to number five in a poll is pretty rarefied air. Yeah. And the fact that they went to Kentucky uh, and it was a statement win for Kentucky over Tennessee at Rupp, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 a it's been a weird season. It's been a crazy season, unprecedented, all that stuff, uh, and it's just now kind of getting interesting. Yeah, and I think that it's it's um, again, if you take a step back, guys, this team is twenty four and two overall. Yeah, this team is twelve and one in the SEC. This team is ranked in the top five nationally. Uh, it still has a really good chance if it does its business to be number one seed. Things are okay. I don't think things are near panic mode right now, but I really don't blame people with the way things have gone for Tennessee in the past. I mean, you know, it, it, it's everybody just likes a good panic. It's it's like uh, my my brother my brother from a darker mother, Jason Swain says, you know, put your cup on for Tennessee. That when things get bad, you just expect right now that they're going to go bad. So I don't think that's necessarily the case here, but um, we'll see. But Check we back see. in a week. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, guys. As always, you can find all of us on social media. You can find Grant Ramey on Twitter at twitter.com slash Grant Ramey. You can find Patrick Brown on Twitter at pbrown247. You can find Ryan Callahan on Twitter at ryancallahan247. You can find me on twenty on Twitter at westrucker247, if I can say that correctly. You can find all of us on our staff account there, govals247. That's twitter.com slash govals247. You can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash govals 24-7, or if you want to drink water straight from the hose, you can go directly to GoVols247.com. We've always got good deals there, and we've got a situation where, you know what, it's a uh, it's always a, always a good trial period. You go there, I'm telling you, the number of people who go to the site and they stick, that's a high number. That, that, and, and there's a reason for that, and I think selfishly, I'm just going to say it, we have a good product. We got a good staff and we got a good product. So go check us out at GoVols247.com. A lot more insight than you're going to get on this podcast, even though you're going to get some on this podcast too. So plenty of reasons to go there. Check it out. If you're waiting for this week's football podcast, it will drop on Friday morning. So I hope you have a good Thursday evening slash Friday morning or a good Friday night. And uh, we'll see what happens down in Baton Rouge. Grant, you got any final thoughts? Nothing.